0: And we are two RV industry veterans who travel part-time in a small trailer.
1: Looking to share big adventures and help you with great tips. Tricks. And discounts. Indeed,
0: indeed, indeed. So last week, I think we talked about the fact that we installed an RV thin shade or slim shade, slim shady. This week, we have been using it, obviously. We really like it. It is such an easy upgrade. It's been terrific. So I... uh, I completely endorse the RV thin shade or Slim Shady.
1: Now, some people aren't ready to make that replacement, and so they asked what they could do instead.
0: Well, we've seen some creative hacks yeah. to darken the windows because there are some campgrounds that feel that they ought to light up the campground like a <laughs> baseball game or something like that. And so we saw a guy who used a black plastic trash bags, And they just basically squirted their windows with water and kind of cut the trash bags to fit over the window. And it just adheres to the window and really darkened up their RV quite a bit.
1: Yeah, so it's kind of like a cling wrap. It doesn't have any permanent adhesive or anything but it will block some sunlight for the times that you need it. I don't know if sunlight, I sunlight
0: nothing. I would say yeah, or it blocks those the,
1: <laughs> or those sodium lights those some sodium campgrounds
0: lights. think are important.
1: And up until we bought our slim shade, we had the stuff I can never remember, the foil reflectix, the foil bubble wrap. <laughs> we had a reflectix that we bought specifically for a door window and it velcroed on. And that lasted a good long time. I think we told you our window was starting to fall out of the door a little bit. And then when the window started to fall out, then the Reflectix got a little bit destroyed from, you know, being...
0: Being buffeted in the wind as we pulled the trailer.
1: (laughs) And so we had several reasons to replace and put the Slim Shade on. But we like... The Slim Shade, we liked the Reflectix just fine.
0: Well, the Slim Shade, the nice thing is it's not a frosted window. So you can, when you open the door and and move the shade, you can see out. However, the only way to move the shade is to open the door, but not the screen.
1: Yeah, and you have to kind of do it from outside. (laughs) Yeah,
0: that's the one flaw. But what are you going to do? It's still far better than what we had. And we're very happy with it, as we said last week.
1: Yes, indeed.
0: Well, speaking of being happy. Oh
1: my gosh, what a great time we have had this week.
0: Indeed, we really have. And part of that was we had the privilege of actually meeting in person and speaking with Abby and Jason Epperson from the RV Miles podcast. In fact, we even went to the Hofbein house and (laughs) I uh, got to drink a bunch of beers while they were there.
1: So we wanted to talk to Jason and Abby about family full timing, and that is what we are going to hear from them right after this. We know lots of people who would love to try out stressless camping, but don't have an RV. That's
0: why we love RV Share. It's a great way to test the waters without jumping in with both feet.
1: With RV Share, you can rent other people's RVs so you can experience stressless camping firsthand. It's a great
0: way to decide which RV is right for you. Try motorhomes, travel trailers, or fifth wheels and see what fits your lifestyle.
1: And if you want a safe and secure way to make money with your RV, RV Share is the Way to do that!
0: Safe, secure, and a great way to start stressless camping.
1: So check out RV Share on the discounts and deals page on our website today.
0: We are so privileged, thrilled, and honored to literally be sitting in Jason and Abby Epperson's home here in Las Vegas at the moment. Jason and Abby, if you don't know, you should know that they published three podcasts, which we are huge fans of, America's National Parks, See America, and RV Miles. And we have been followers of theirs since they started out in a converted bus. (laughs) Jason and Abby, welcome
2: we're so excited to be here with you guys thank you so much for inviting us on and we're so happy to have you in our home too this is wonderful yeah we've never podcasted with other people in a space like this before (laughs) it's so trippy and
0: you know it's so interesting to meet people for whom you have so much respect and also who you follow and then you know in person it's just like it's very
3: cool for us. Well, likewise.
2: Yeah, it's like I said, I feel like formal introductions right. should happen, but we know you so well. well like, and- do we <laughs> handshake or how? Yeah, right. yeah. yeah, it feels like old friends just happen to see them for the first time for the first our time. Yeah, yeah,
0: it's such a tribute to how nowadays is, I yes. guess, for lack of a better description. <laughs> what we wanted to talk about is something we really don't know much about, but we do get questions about, and that's being on the road full-time as a family. There's so many people now interested in this. My first piece of advice is going to be subscribe to RV Miles. Oh, well, thank you.
2: I like that. Right, I, like I mean, that. that's
0: the first bit of information, but we had some questions that people have shared with us. As a family, what kind of challenges do you see people facing who are coming into this and thinking of it as a lifestyle?
2: I would say the first is balance, especially if you are going to be working from the road, as well as we call it road schooling, homeschooling, unschooling, however you want to categorize it. But I think it's that balance that you need between feeling like you are on vacation, but you're not actually on vacation. How do you manage your days? How does this work with you know everyone in this small space together? If one of the parents needs to work, you've got school happening, maybe that's remote school, however you're going to frame that. But those first few months were really, really intense for us. And one of the things we always suggest to families getting on the road is to try and pull back as much as you can. Sometimes even what I categorize as called de-schooling, where you just take a couple of months completely off of school. Don't dive right into being a homeschool family if that's not something you were used to, or don't think that you have to take what you knew in your sticks and bricks and plop it down into this home on wheels, because your whole life is gonna get turned upside down and inside out, and you need to take a little bit of time to figure out your new rhythm. And so we always say it's balance and be okay with not doing everything at once.
3: And you can do some of those things in advance, vice versa, it's like start doing the homeschooling Mm -hmm. a year or two before you hit the road, or start figuring out remote work before you hit the road, all that sort of stuff so that you're not learning how to live in an RV full-time, how to travel full-time, how to homeschool full-time, how to work full-time nomadically all at the same time space it out do something before do some of it before you hit the road do some of it well after and eventually you'll get to the point where really living full-time on the road as a family is a lot closer to living in a house than most people think it is
2: and that is not to say you will ever find balance we've been doing this for five years and every single day (laughs) is a lesson in trying to find balance But it's really just about finding... I think the better word is a rhythm. The rhythm that works for you and your family. And this is a really interesting period of life like our country is in. So many people have been experiencing remote work. So many people have been experiencing remote learning. And you may have been doing that at home. It still is a complete and total shift to do that inside of an RV. And especially when you have to add on booking campsites and traveling from point A to point B and all that comes with that. So just be kind to yourself and the ones around you and take as much time as you need to figure out how this will work for you. You just you
3: got to have some flexibility. A lot of people want to do life in a very regimented way. They want to have, you know, their work schedule that is exactly how it is every single week. They want to travel on the same day every, every week. They want And for some people they can make that work, but it 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 does get very difficult. You just it, it, and even if that's what your plan is, you just have to be prepared for whatever can come at you because something can break down. You I know? feel
2: like you're talking to me right now <laughs> and you're <laughs> trying not to talk to me. <laughs> I see you, Mr. Epperson. <laughs> <Mayor of laughs>
1: yeah. We actually just realized on our last big trip that there needs to be a day of the week that we don't travel. Like we yeah. didn't yeah. plan anything like that before. And then we have work to get done. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, it was like 8 p.m. the day before the the podcast had to go out. And I'm like, oh,
2: we got to start now. (laughs) Yeah. We have been there numerous times. And it's like we were talking earlier. I said, you know, we've got four days between when we leave Las Vegas to get all the way over to Albuquerque, New Mexico. It's 580 miles. Now, to a road tripper, to someone on vacation, that might sound like, well, that's a day drive. Yeah. But for us, when we have four days to do this inside of all of our work responsibilities, our responsibilities to the kids, and then just, it takes a little bit longer when you're pulling 42 feet behind you, (laughs) Mm -hmm. that four days is going to be really, really exhausting. And so how do we schedule that out where there are stops and we allow for the time that we need to get those things done? And, you know, that doesn't always work out that way. Sometimes you just have to like, you know, Put your head down and get it done and and make that drive but just knowing those four days somehow we have to get all of life done and 580 miles at the same time (laughs) is very overwhelming
3: that's one of the things that we're often telling people who are starting out this lifestyle it's like you know a vacationer can you know they can visit a, a park like yellowstone national park in a, in five days, you know, and have a great experience there. For us, it takes two weeks to get that same amount Mm -hmm. of time in a park like that. And the second you pull that trigger and being full time, or at least, you know, most of the time, uh, and you've got other responsibilities, you just gotta, you have to slow down. You cannot move at the pace that anybody would reasonably do when they're vacationing
1: right yeah
3: yeah it's a whole different you have to incorporate travel
0: and reality
4: yeah Mm -hmm.
3: because
0: I I see a lot of people are suddenly forced into working and schooling from home and now they're like I'm gonna buy an RV and just take it on the road and it's really a different experience yeah which is why we're here yeah who do you think has a bigger challenge adjusting to life
3: on the road the parents or the kids
2: wow we've never been asked that before
3: yeah our, so our kids have been we've just passed our five-year mark mm-hmm. so even our oldest was still kind of young when we went full-time i i think the older the kids are the harder time they probably have adjusting yeah to that kind of life but again like a lot of it has to do with whether whether you've already started homeschooling or not what you know where what kind of lifestyle you're coming from
2: yeah i would say one of the things when we first got on the road and i've said kind of consistently throughout the years is that i wish that we had done this when we had babies oh. so i wish we had gotten on the road when our youngest was you know still in diapers and you know was just a little one i was wearing around all the time in the ergo and that we had kind of had them sort of grow up In this lifestyle a little bit i think that they transitioned really well i speaking only for our family and for myself i think that we had a harder time jason and i had a harder time with the transition than our kids did and i think that's because we had some unusual circumstances behind moving into at the time we were in a converted school bus that we had bought gutted and had designed into a home on wheels ourselves
3: and finished about 80 percent of
2: yes (laughs) by the time our lease was up in chicago and we needed to be out of our apartment we had about 80 percent of the bus done and jason was also still producing a show in chicago we come from chicago theater so he is driving in our first probably month as full-timers. He's driving in about an hour to an hour and a half into the city to production manage this show. I'm back at the campground with the kids trying to adjust to this life. He's often just sleeping at the theater. It's just easier than driving back. So we had some unusual circumstances, I think, that definitely lent themselves to more tears probably from me than From the kids (laughs) I think if that situation had maybe been different we would have seen it in a different lens but for our family that first couple of months especially because we needed to finish building out the bus I think that that was a, a bigger adjustment for you and I than it was the kids but then I would say when we move into something new so we're in our third home now so we've been in the bus then we were in a travel trailer now we're in a fifth wheel I do think sometimes that those transitions are a little bit harder for the kids than they are for us and not in a negative way but just in a familiarity way yeah. everything's well, new yeah. again. it's
3: just like moving when you live in a in a house yeah. it's it's you know or, or moving into a house that's unfinished you know? <laughs> <laughs> it, but, but you're getting a used project. to new stuff yeah. your figure, or, yeah. or that you haven't unpacked everything or whatever yeah. it's a lot more work and every anytime anybody moves it's way more work than they ever think it's oh, going to be yeah it's the same thing with with moving from one RV to another. You think it's this tiny home that you're just going to move everything from one to another, and it's not. But it's that adjustment period that you would have doing that in a a regular house. It's a very similar thing, I think.
2: Absolutely.
0: You started, I think, when there were a lot fewer resources and probably helped to establish some of those resources. I mean, five years ago, what you're doing now, now I think it's at least not unheard of and not as shocking I guess for people but 5 years ago it was a whole different thing so how did you how do you find the resources for schooling and that sort of thing
2: So we were already homeschooling before we got on the road I was homeschooled myself so that particular world was very familiar to me very different though the environment i grew up in the kansas city versus homeschooling in chicago but we had been homeschooling for about 2 years before we got on the road. So in some respects, that transition was somewhat easy. I did take about two months off what I call de-schooling, where we did nothing but just be with each other, learn what it was like to be in the space, explore what this was going to look like for the kids and I and for Jason. But in regards to full-time living aspect of it, there weren't a ton of resources out there. And I remember very shortly after we moved into the bus, I spoke about it either on the podcast or I wrote an article that talked about how the reality of this is so different than what we were seeing on YouTube
1: or Instagram,
2: right? This really curated sort of imagery of what it was like to do this and that the reality is so different and how I almost felt in some ways disappointed, like let down because I thought, what am I doing wrong here that my life doesn't look like what I thought it was going to look like, like what I had been seeing for the last year and what are what am i doing wrong here and that was that was really tough for me and it took a while to understand that just because that picture has been filtered and <laughs> uh, you know like they've they've positioned everything to look right and that doesn't mean that that's not part of their reality i have done that myself it's just not their only reality exactly, exactly. Yeah, and, and people
1: so- weren't sharing the bad days yes and so
2: when we started Harvey Miles, the podcast, that was one of my personal goals, was that we will talk about even the dirty, rough, difficult, tear inducing aspects of this life because. I had been on that other end of sort of having the, the dream shattered a little bit and yeah. then picking that up and putting it back together.
0: And that's been something that I've really liked about your one of the many aspects of your podcast is it's just an honest look at the lifestyle and what's going on. And you don't hold back. It's both good information, but also it's like, hey, you know, it's, it's like, don't jump off that cliff.
2: It's a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We went down that road and we think you shouldn't drive down it because right. we yes. already did it for you. Yes. Like we've been there. And, you know, there's a good and a bad that comes with that. And that has opened both of us up at times to a lot of really harsh criticism, you know. And I think that you have to kind of take the good with the bad But we have always said that we cannot be anything other than who we are. And eventually these narratives that, you know, you see about this full time life, if they're crafting something that's different than who they really are, well, that facade is eventually going to break. Like you can't Mm -hmm. keep up that character forever. And so we both made the agreement that, you know, when we started this, that we would always just present it truly as it was and not try to sugarcoat that sometimes you're driving through a mountain and you've got 10 feet of visibility and you're having a panic attack and there's really nothing you can yeah. do about that <laughs> other than just say pull over i gotta get out and have a good cry yeah. You just have to do that you know and that's the reality sometimes those are the roads you end up sometimes as a full-timer
1: yeah and if you don't share those things then you're doing a big disservice yeah. Telling everyone that everything is perfect and peachy and rosy, yeah. and everyone should do this because it's so perfect. As
3: I said before, it is a lot more like living in a Sticks and Bridge yes. house than yeah. anybody thinks. Yeah. It's the same challenges. Yeah. You know, there's just this different lens depending on where we've traveled to that given week or month.
2: Well, and 75% of the time when we are recording RV Miles, our kids are within earshot, they are in the vicinity. And I certainly don't want them to hear us paint our life on the road with them as false. You know, if I want them to hear that, you know, we are representing everything that has happened to our family, the good and the bad, because Because otherwise they'll
1: end up where you were like, wait, mom and dad say, this is awesome. And I'm kind of unhappy right now. What's wrong with me? Exactly. Exactly. There's
3: something very different. Doing that, being honest about what's going on. There's there's two sides. There's the, peop- there's the people that are out there that are painting it as very rosy. And then there's the drama. Yes. yes. A- and re- finding any little thing that happens in your life that you- to really retch out a whole lot of content around yeah. the drama that happened to you. So we try to do our best to avoid that as well. Sometimes it actually does happen to us. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> we try to only represent drama when... And I don't even want to call it drama. We only try to represent heightened situations when we feel that they have an outcome either that we've learned something from or that maybe just by representing that heightened situation, somebody else will maybe not feel so alone or Mm -hmm. will hear that and say, you know what, that happened to me too. Or we represent it and we can say we don't know how to keep this from happening or we don't, what can you help us? Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, yeah. A big part we don't what know what we everything
3: we're doing is, is also learning from the community that we've, yeah. that we, we've built. Cause honestly, what really helped us when we started full timing was Facebook. I mean, I think Facebook groups have been this great place where you can just ask people, anywhere what they're going through and they've also become a really terrible thing in some (laughs) ways as well
2: let's balance that there
3: it was a way for us when we started to that was our main way of connecting Mm -hmm. with people who were doing a similar thing and to ask questions and figure out and now we want to build communities that help people sort of do that thing as well but in a little bit more reasonable and responsible way Yeah. Yeah. yeah sometimes
0: in a in a facebook group There has to be clear evidence that adults are watching. (laughs) Yes,
2: yes. yes. You know, I have had to say a few times, like, this is why we can't have nice things, people, because we continue to forget that we are human behind these screens. And, you know, we need to talk to one another in an adult way. And also pretend like there's a kid looking over your shoulder reading exactly what you're doing right now. Do you want them to go out and treat their friend down the street like that? Right. That to me is so important. On the positive
0: side of this, would you say that, for example, let's say the lesson of the week or whatever is Mount Rushmore. Is seeing that firsthand for the kids incrementally better than just seeing it in... Books or whatever they're looking at nowadays.
2: <laughs> as opposed to watching the YouTube video of yeah. someone who's <laughs> been there. I would say, yes, Mount Rushmore was interesting for us as a family. It opened itself up to a lot of discussions we didn't expect to have about Mount Rushmore when we went. And I'm not sure that those would have happened had we not seen it in person, had we not walked through the exhibit and kind of, and then also... Through America's National Parks podcast, had we not researched it some more and, and done an episode on it,
0: it's just cool to see stuff in person or experience it firsthand. Yes. like I could tell you all about how wonderful Hofboy House is, right. but until we go and listen to the music and drink the beer and <laughs> yes. eat the sausages,
2: yeah.
3: Here's an example: our first, our first winter on the road, we spent almost entirely in New Mexico, and the kids learned a lot about Native American history while we were there, both intentionally, uh, you know, as part of our sort of lesson plans that we were working on at the time. But then there are so many Native American historical sites in New Mexico that they got to go see how these people lived, where they lived, where, how, why they disappeared or why we don't know why they disappeared from this area and that, all that sort of stuff. It it just, I I think the thing we're trying to be cautious about is like, Yes, you can still learn all that sort of stuff without going and visiting these places and you don't have to feel like you have to go to all these places to to learn about them. But it just it makes it it drives it home a little bit more. It brings it into their world a little bit more and helps them understand in in a way that maybe even takes a little less time, which is great.
2: Well, I think to what I was trying to say also is that when you go to these places, when you experience these places for yourself, what ends up happening is you sort of um, chart your own narrative that goes beyond what the textbook wants you to know, right? So you might read something and or you might see something that isn't the main thing at that park or the main thing at that museum or the main thing in that city, and it leads you down a completely different path of education. You're sparked by that one tiny little thing that probably would never have made it into a video or a lecture or a textbook. And then all of a sudden you're down the rabbit hole (laughs) of these backdoor kind of things about a location that you never would have really thought or known about had you not actually been in that place at that moment. And I would say for me, going to places like Rushmore or um, even Yellowstone or some of these massive, you know, that we all dream about seeing kind of locations, it's been what we have found off the side off the beaten path but well, it has been so amazing e-
3: example of that when we went to fort sumter you can you know obviously learn about the first shots of the civil war being fired at fort sumter but when you're there and you you see like there are some of the the bricks that fort sumter is built out of were were made by slaves by enslaved people and you can see fingerprints of children younger than our right. youngest henry still in those bricks from when they would pull them out of the forms and turn them
1: over
2: and i mean they were so hot these small children are taking these and they're turning them over and it takes something that you know and you could read that for sure I, that is they definitely want you to know about that when you're there at the fort and you could read about that but when you walk your children up to that And especially, you know, as, as a, a white family and you walk your children up to that and you say, this is a part of our history. This is a part of what this country was built by, by these children, by these children of color who put their hands on these bricks in order for you to be here today to see this. You know, they didn't know it then and you don't know that you'd be here now, but that, that it just drives it home in a way that is so overwhelming and incredibly powerful and incredibly powerful for your kids on. And then it opened up discussions of just enormity that we could have with them that we, because we were there in that place and we were able to show them something physically.
3: Well, and we're learning along with them. And I think that's probably the most powerful thing is that we're not like saying, you know, here are these, workbooks do this stuff, which we do. We absolutely do that.
1: (laughs) Open that content (laughs) and you will see. But
3: when we're all learning something together and they see us interested in it and they see us learning about something, the hope is that we're teaching them to want to learn and like, if you can take your kid through schooling and they learn nothing but how to learn things when they need to learn them, I think you've succeeded. That's powerful.
1: With the family and with three kids that are different ages, do you keep finding or do you kind of have a good grasp on what, where to get the resources, what the good resources are for helping them learn this way?
2: In a national park, sense we always utilize the junior ranger program now we do have our oldest is 14 and he's kind of starting to age out of that a little bit so we're looking for ways that he can still be a part of that maybe he helps his little brother or something like that that he can still kind of get something or if we're fortunate enough to find what they call the senior ranger program senior ranger booklet which they consider for teens and adults like Guadalupe National Park has that and it's awesome, it's designed for an older individual to do, then we'll have him do something like that. So junior ranger, our kids at this point, I think, have become junior rangers in 25 different parks across the country. And with that also comes the fourth grader pass. And so that is for any fourth grader. And as homeschoolers, you can kind of have some freedoms to decide Um what grade your kids are in. But if you have a fourth grader, you can get a America the Beautiful pass, which is the yearly annual pass that allows you admission into fee charging, fee collecting national parks.
3: They also extended that this year because of the pandemic so that fifth graders in 2021 can also get it as well. Because
1: they didn't get to do it in
3: fourth grade.
1: Right, exactly. I
2: don't know if that'll continue into 2022. So probably when we roll into 2022, it'll go back to just being the fourth grader pass, but right now it's both.
3: And people don't realize sometimes that there are 420 some National Park Service sites and they cover virtually all of American history. Basically anything that happened important in a location is usually a National Park Service site. And so you can visit the sites and all that sort of stuff, but the National Park Service also has some great education stuff on their website. So you can beyond like the Junior Ranger Program It's mainly built for like school trips. So when a local school comes to visit the National Park Service Mm. site, they've got lesson plans on the website for school teachers to use. So you can find and utilize that stuff as well.
2: So if we want to move away from national parks and talk about other ways you can educate out on the road, one of the things we always recommend is picking up a museum membership wherever you are domiciled. So in your local town, we have a museum membership to a science and technology museum in our hometown that gives us what's called a reciprocal across the country to other museums that are a part of the ASTC, which I think is the Association of Science and Technology Centers. So that's going to be science museums, natural history museums, uh, maybe even some children's museums. It just kind of depends. And then what you can do as you travel across the country is you can go to these museums for free because they're a part of this program. okay. So it allows us to take the kids to museums across the country. It enforces maybe a stronger narrative on natural history or science, but a lot of times too they'll have a whole section on local history, um, science makers in the community that have come from that area or that state. So you're getting this education as well that's being reinforced as you travel through and you're learning about natural history and the foundations of it, but then you're also getting this local history and you're learning about the community that you are a part of and it's just a really really great way to have hands-on education because at our house, anytime we can be hands-on with the education, that is always going to sink in ten times more than when I sit a book in front of them and I say, "Okay, now answer these five questions after you just read a paragraph." Yeah, right. and if, if you
3: can be even more, you know, thoughtful about it, you can go to like some of these museums when they have a class happening or a mm-hmm. lecture or something like that—something fun and interesting and specific for the kids to do. That's always really helpful the full-time families organization has been a a real big help to us over the years they have a couple big facebook groups they have a big like everyone's welcome facebook group but then what's been more helpful is there's a members group that is you know only only for like (laughs) the people that have become members of of that organization and they have meetups around the country so that's kind of a way for the kids to build community a little bit we don't go to a ton of them but some full-time families like that's all they do and they're all thousand trails members the association of uh campgrounds and uh thousand trails campgrounds are just kind of full of full-time families. so they they'll often even get into groups where they follow each other around the country so sometimes it's not just about travel sometimes it's just about following and being with your friends and 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 Mm -hmm. that sort of thing and then uh A couple, one of the big things when we left Chicago, even though we were homeschooling, we had this great homeschooling community that we were a part of and were able to like have resources and even like paid to have somebody teach a class to lots of kids and stuff like that. So that was something that we lost when we hit the road. But there are a lot of resources out there for homeschoolers. There's just tons of them, too many to go into. But one real important one I think people should check out is the homeschool legal. Defense Association (HSLDA), D-A. which has all the different rules for different states about homeschooling, and will help you if there's ever a situation where you know there are some areas in the country where, unfortunately, homeschooling is less accepted uh, than other areas, and there's some areas that there are they're just really strict laws about it and and that sort of stuff. So it kind of can help you navigate that sort of stuff and. Figure out you know where you want to have your domicile state so that you can, so that you can be safe from too strict of like, uh, you know, having to test your kids every two months and yeah. and having yeah. to meet with a principal
1: every year and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, that uh-huh. never occurred to me that you travel from state to state, your rules change. We, I mean, I know that about other aspects mm-hmm. of life, but it never really occurred to me that that was true about homeschooling. Yeah,
2: and that would be the big one that I just I really want to make sure we touch on that if you're not content with the homeschooling laws in your state and you want to shift your domicile, just really look into that and see exactly what that means. We keep a domicile in a state where homeschooling laws, there are virtually, there are none once you take your kid home, your kid is home with you and you have the freedom to do however you would like to do your education. We keep an Illinois residency, even though other things about Illinois frustrate us because the (laughs) homeschooling laws are so good. And we know, again, other families that do the same. So really think about that. Uh, If you're wanting to keep your domicile in your state, make sure you check what those homeschool laws are first. If you don't feel that they work for you, then really take the time to research other states across the country where you can pick up a domicile.
3: One thing that people often don't understand, though, is that you can't pick, just say, okay, my domicile is here, and then feel like you're not subject to the laws of wherever you are. So, You can move from being a vacationer real quick. There are lots of different ways that people full-time, but if you're going to an area for six months... You're so going to be subject to the laws of yeah. that yeah, area. Yeah. You've got to, you know, you've got to.
1: Well, I'm here for to that. a year and a half, but I'm a domicile in Illinois, so I don't have to no. listen to you. Yeah, I, I have nothing to do with the state. No,
2: you, I think it's somewhere around what, like 10 weeks or something?
3: They, the Homeschool Legal Defense Association recommends that you don't stay stationary for more than one month out of state in a time just to kind of yeah. avoid that.
1: Okay.
0: When I was a kid, my parents would travel. We would do a lot of road trips and they'd take me out of school and we would do you know i would still study but we would get to travel a lot in our old volkswagen squareback and i distinctly remember in Willets in that park i think i've told you about mm-hmm. it where i'm there in the park with my parents and a plane flies over with a loudspeaker and it's like Go back to school. You are <laughs> truant. And I'm like, whoa, that was wow. really so trippy. <laughs> like, they're like looking for truant kids in a plane. It was wow. a, obviously a small plane, but it's so trippy. <laughs> of course, that was a long time ago.
2: That's amazing. Pterodactyl-powered
0: plane. But... Yeah. <laughs>
2: That's
3: great.
0: So I guess lastly, do you think there are a lot more resources now for people who choose to be nomadic with their family than five years ago when you started
2: there are too many <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's there a lot
3: point. and there's a lot of people there are a lot of blogs out there that provide a lot of great information and there are some that provide misleading information mm-hmm. and so there's a lot of stuff to sift through and that's why it, it it is nice to find community somewhere whether it's full-time families and being involved in their facebook groups or whatever it is find somewhere where you can ask a question and you can get those 100 answers, and you can see if there's a consensus. But you can yeah. be
2: pretty confident that they actually
1: know what they're <laughs> yeah. talking yeah. about. You know,
2: I was being really flippant, but you know, the point being is that there is so much that it can become very overwhelming that you start getting, especially these short, like, you know, 500-word articles where it's like they've just they've got the right SEO kind of going for them and they get you to click and you read and it really doesn't provide you with anything. It actually leaves you with more questions than answers. And so then you're looking all over the place and it's, it's overwhelming. And I do think that it does help to kind of narrow in like, you know, I'm, this is really what we kind of want to do, especially as a full-time family. We'll find something like the full-time families group, you know, and go into there so you can be more specific with, I, you know, look for people on... Instagram or YouTube that are full-time families find that narrative. Or again, if you're just a couple or a solo traveler, you want to be a digital nomad, try to really like get specific with what you're looking for. N-
3: nomadic life is just too broad. Now yeah. it's about, yes. you need to learn about RVing. You need to learn about homeschooling. You need to, to learn about yeah. work from home. And, and it's all, they're all separate resources for all of those sorts of things oh, yeah. out there now. And
1: there's hundreds I mean,
2: in just, each category. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yes. And you know, just, I think, Think in regards to what has happened over on YouTube, and how it has gone from what I felt five years ago was a, a, a very small demographic of people doing this, to where now the voice over there is so large and there's so many, and everyone has somewhat of a varying opinion on mm-hmm. one particular topic that you don't know whether or not I'm supposed to hate Camping World or love Camping World. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, somewhere in the middle, you know, am, there's, am I supposed to have 10 internet services or do I only just need my phone? Like there's so much. Yeah. Right. And so it's really, it, it can get, when I think about it, and one of the things that we try really, really hard at RV Miles is to really be as fact-based and really driven by the information that's out there. And then at times, obviously, it's going to be opinion-based. We're going to interject the things that how we use these things, how it affects us personally. But anytime we sit down to talk about something, especially on YouTube, we really, really try to be as factual as possible because it, there's so much information out there I can't imagine trying to sift through it 5 years ago I don't my head would have been spinning oh, yeah. yeah you know we've learned by trial and error and we've had to walk through fire on some of these things but I don't know what is the better learning experience: having 5,000 YouTubers already go through it for me and make a video, or <laughs> me living it and having yeah, to figure that. Like I don't know. One
3: mentor that can yeah. tell you what they did.
2: When we <laughs> teach our
1: basic training camp, we introduce the concept of Uncle Bob, who really is a good longtime RVer slash engineer and can do modifications that are good quality modifications and cousin Eddie (laughs) and how and how you have to maybe just trust your gut whether you're talking uncle Bob or cousin Eddie I mean when (laughs) I went
2: to school I you know I went to school for musical theater and to Be an actor, and in the world of acting and theater, there are many different schools of thought about you know the type of acting you can learn. You're going to learn Stanislavski, or you know you're going to learn Meisner, and all these different things. And you kind of have to when you go to school and you pick your school. In a way, you're committing to this particular type of acting style. I'm going to learn the Stanislavski method of acting, and that's what I'm going to stick with for the rest of my life. There's maybe a handful of acting, you know, theories out there. When I think about that in the world of RVing, and if I was a a young RVer or a young actor and I was presented with, you know, 10,000 different ways I could be an actor. Right. I probably would have been like, I'm going to go get a business degree. You kind of these days, you
3: just have to learn about a lot of the different options that are available to you and then just get out and figure it out as you go and find Mm -hmm. your own, your 10,001 yeah, 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 yeah. and
2: then you might become that and one you yeah. might well start yeah. your own youtube channel or your own and you know you might want to do that and that's fine too there is room at the campfire for everybody and i certainly don't want to make it seem like anyone tomorrow who who wants to share what they've learned or their adventures is not welcome because i think that's another narrative we need to be careful of especially in the last year and a half the new campers or that unfortunate name they've been given like the covid campers like We have, in some respects, made it difficult for new campers. We have, in some respects, made them feel unwelcome because they're learning inside a a very difficult time. So I don't want to make it seem that if someone wanted to share their joy of this or their adventure, that they wouldn't be welcome because they are more than welcome. It's just learning how to navigate that and filter out what is um, reality versus what is... Baloney yeah or uh, you know and they i will
1: have a different perspective they're gonna bring in you yeah. you bring in five years of full timing with three kids and raising them and homeschooling them and we bring in five years of just the two of us in a little camper and and then someone new is going to bring in well i wasn't sure i wanted to do it yeah but now that i'm doing it you know this or that whatever yeah. however however that sentence is and the
3: perspective of h- having just learned it because right. so as In we a all pandemic. Know, like, like when we when we when we leave our kids with our parents we quickly learn how they've forgotten how to parent it's <laughs> been a long time they don't remember how this goes so we, like yeah. when you just learn something sometimes you're better able to tell somebody how to do it yeah because you just went through it you yeah
2: know? i mean i you know my mom, if she listens to this, she'll kill me. But <laughs> I, I picked the kids up. My parents had the kids for a couple of days while we were trying to get situated and moved into our new home. And I go to pick up the kids and it's late. Like I'm coming to get them at like 10, 30 because we needed to be out the road the next day. And I get there and within five minutes of being there, um, my eight year old throws up and he just throws up because he had had. So much candy he had been given just unfettered. My mom was so thrilled. She had, they had, and it was the most wonderful thing. And the kids had the best time, but Nana had taken them to get all this candy. they had had movie night, they'd had McDonald's, (laughs) like all this stuff. And I am there to get my kids for five. I've been there five minutes and I am literally sopping up vomit in my mother's sink because he couldn't make it to the toilet. And I'm like, okay, what did you do? They totally forgot what this was like (laughs) when you don't give a kid unfettered access to candy all day long.
0: That's like when... My brother-in-law asked me for a beer, and of course I'm going to shake
4: it. (laughs) (laughs) You should know better than to just pop it right open. Yeah,
2: Yeah, I got it. I I have a friend you need to meet. That sounds really familiar. That sounds like something Grant would do. (laughs) And so we have mentioned Jack and Ethan and Henry. So I did go and chat with each of them. So Henry, who is eight, he would like everyone to know that his favorite thing about RVing is getting to go around and meet his friends. In different locations, like we're here in Vegas, and there's a family that we met that we got to spend some time with last night. Ethan feels the exact same way. Ethan is our 11-year-old. He also absolutely loves the idea that we can take our home anywhere to meet people, and that it's a you know we have that freedom. And then Jack, who's our 14-year-old, one of his favorite things about RVing is that we go to different towns and go to different restaurants (laughs) (laughs) but with like two of those answers that's (laughs) our favorite part (laughs) i was like that all sounds right but but (laughs) you see
3: with the two youngest though like that's the question that we get all the time it's like you know what about friends and socialization and and all that stuff and they have this opportunity to meet new kids wherever we go but also to see like they're cousins who live all across the country. We get to see them more mm-hmm. than we ever would. We have They have cousins that live in Los Angeles that we would never be able to afford to fly all five of us yeah. there once a year, but we right. we are usually able to see them about once a year.
2: And as much as I was teasing my mom earlier, the idea that we can go to my parents or his parents on a pretty regular basis and the kids can have those kinds of relationships with their grandparents that, you know, allows them to feel comfortable to be at Nana and Papa's house for days on end while mom and dad are off, you know, taking care of business and doing things. Like, that kind of relationship we've been able to foster with, you know, not only grandparents, but aunts and uncles and close friends in Chicago and things like that because we have this freedom to take our home where we want to take it and work from anywhere in this country. And so that has been... I think really a gift that we have been able to give ourselves and our kids is we have our relationships with our family have just become so a million times more than what they were when we lived in Chicago because we get to have that real time with them on mm-hmm. for weeks on end if we want to which we'll be at a campground for a couple weeks and Nana and Papa are just right down the road Yeah, That's-
1: and I've honestly I've heard the socialization question for kids who are homeschooled in a sticks and bricks house. Yeah. Like how do you, how do your kids have friends if they're homeschooled? Like, yeah.
2: And you know, it was (laughs) tough. This last year and a half has been really tough, you know, Mm -hmm. and there has certainly not been that social aspect that maybe we had prior to, but, you know, fortunately for us, right before everything kind of started, we were able to meet a family that we really connected with. And together as the four grown ups we made a commitment to each other that it was important that we quarantine together, that we stay together, that we will travel together, that we will keep safe as two units so that their kids and our kids have each other so that us four adults have each other yeah. through all of this. And so we were really fortunate to have that and to build that kind of what is now a lifelong friendship with this family. And we hope to see them in just a few weeks, but I think that that was unique. I know that that wasn't how it was for everybody. And I know that isolation has been very tough for a lot of children. And we were just very fortunate to be right place, right time with this particular family and to still be able to give our kids that sense of a community, even if it was just that tiny little nucleus.
0: Mm, That's terrific. Well, again, we're here with Jason and Abby from RV Miles and America's National Parks, and they've got over a 1,000 reviews on Apple Podcasts, just, just telling how wonderful a job they do. We agree completely. We are among those 1,000, and it's just been a super pleasure to be here with you, and we will have links to your website, but, of course, go to RV Miles, subscribe to their podcasts. Yes. and. And you will truly enjoy them, especially if you have a family. But even if you don't, I, I don't have we a family. We enjoy it
2: anyway. Yeah. Well, we're just a couple of yahoos over here talking <laughs> about life on the road. So we really appreciate that you have invited us on. And this is, you know, we've been trying to make this work for a really long yeah. time. And we have nothing but I, so much respect for you guys. I know I can speak for both of us when I say you really are two of our favorite people out there. So this was, this was great. Mutual.
4: Yeah.
1: People ask us how to get internet on the road. Campground Wi-Fi is more promised than deliver, And you want to be safe and secure. And Cell Phone Unlimited only goes for so long before you're throttled.
0: Yeah, it's not really unlimited. But the FMCA is here to the rescue again. This time with their TechConnect package for FMCA members. TechConnect delivers truly unlimited internet with their partnership with Sprint using a 3G, 4G unlimited plan.
1: And it's another great FMCA deal for just $49.99 a month that you use it, plus a one-time equipment rental fee of $39.99. Best of all, it's month to month, so use it when you're on the road, park it for just $13.99 a month when you're not.
0: Upload your RV experiences, enjoy unlimited video chat, browse safely, and just enjoy the internet on the road without worrying about lousy campground Wi-Fi that's more stressful than stress-less.
1: This is another great reason to join FMCA, along with local chapters, get-togethers, a huge learning library, plus terrific deals on tires, in addition to other ways to save on tech, and so much more.
0: And with our discount, you can join the FMCA in and save $10 on your first year's membership, just $79.99 when you go to our discounts and deals page on the Stressless Camping website.
1: Get connected safely with us and the FMCA with FMCA's exclusive Tech Connect program and all the other reasons to be an FMCA member.
0: Tech Connect is truly unlimited data, but data speeds might be slowed in very high traffic conditions. However, there is no data cap on your monthly usage.
1: Wow. wow. Man, that was so awesome.
0: Yeah, that was a long interview.
1: It was a long interview, but it was a long time coming.
0: Indeed. We have been
1: trying to hook up with Abby and Jason for a couple of years now, and things (laughs) keep
0: happening. Yeah, we were supposed to meet them in Minot, South Dakota, and they had a little
1: incident. Yeah, we didn't get there, and then they didn't leave there. And anyway, it was so great to finally be able to hang out with them and talk to them, and we're so looking forward to seeing them again soon.
0: Yeah, we might be seeing them next
1: week. Right. <laughs> anyway. yeah, if we both end up in Albuquerque together. Albuquerque. So we are
0: staying at a place that was a surprise to me, I guess. <laughs> Last time we drove along. Oh, by the way, we are back on Route 66 again. Right. So there will be endless articles about that. <laughs> Last time we rode Route 66, there was this place on the side of the road that had a bunch of old classic cars but in tired condition and it was a filling station and a motel and a shop like a grocery type store convenience store
1: yeah and it's actually called the radiator springs gas station and that was the reason why we even slowed down or stopped because you know radiator springs is the town the setting for the movie cars right and so since we like the movie cars so much anything to do with cars we're interested in You know, along with the balls of twine and giant rocking chairs, we want to see anything that has to do with cars. Well,
0: another thing that's here is called the Grand Canyon Caverns. It is not the Grand Canyon.
1: No, it is caverns.
0: It's caverns. It's a giant cave 200 feet underground. Well, Peggy booked us in the RV park here, and we got to tour the caverns. But the RV park is... It's fantastic.
1: Oh, it's so lovely here.
0: The spaces are gigantic. They're surrounded by these desert, I don't know, like 10 feet tall desert trees.
1: They're junipers, I think, for the most part, based on these little grayish berries. Juniper berries? Yeah. I mean, Imagine. I think that's what they are. But they're, it's not like... Like It's not like a line of a row of sites. It's uh, almost confusing to figure out where the site layout is because it's just all dirt and trees. And then there will be... there's a site uh,
0: here and a site there. Very well marked.
1: Yeah, it's very well marked, but it's not just like... Like I said, not just straight rows. You can kind of face this way or face that way and hide in the trees over here. There's some sites where you could... If you had a buddy, you'd be really close together and you could kind of have a communal spot. Really cool.
0: In addition to the gas station, which right now is not working, they have a motel, a pool. There's also a big cafe and this is literally a mile off the road. So you get to that gas station, then you have to go a mile on a private road and get back here to the RV park. They only have electric and water, although there is a dump station.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: then for twenty five, twenty six bucks, you go on about an hour long uh,
1: tour tour cavern. of the cavern. Yeah,
0: that I can see. It.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was about an hour tour of the cavern. We had a great guide that told us about the different stops. The caverns, one of the funniest or most coolest whatever things, is they actually have. It's not open right now, but they actually have a overnight spot that's got a bed and a bathroom. And you can, for yeah. like 900 and some odd dollars, you can spend the night in the cavern. And the guide Reggie demonstrated how you can sleep with this many lights on or you can turn absolutely all the lights off and be in absolute complete darkness. Yeah,
0: you can't see your hand in front of your face with the lights all off. Well, it makes sense you're 200 feet underground.
1: Right. Right. So that was really cool. There's a wedding chapel underneath. And weirdly enough, right where the wedding chapel is, is also storage for enough supplies for 2,000 people in the event of a big emergency.
0: Like nuclear attack it. The stuff got put there initially during the Cuban Missile Crisis. Right, yeah. So
1: it's just, it's pretty
0: interesting. I can't say enough about this park. It's beautiful. The people are super nice. The spaces are huge. We are right now the only RV in here. We are. And it's September 28th as we're recording this. But still, the weather is perfect. I wrote next week's gadget report all <laughs> over the place. I just, I love this place. I would absolutely come back here. But I think they have a stage and a big old barbecue. I would love to come back here with a whole bunch big of Big old group
1: of people. Yeah, this this would be such a great party place.
0: Yeah, you could crank up the music and no one would complain. Right. So anyway, that's where we are tonight. And a couple more nights, and then off to Williams to the Grand Canyon. Yeah. To the actual Grand Canyon. The
1: actual Grand Canyon.
0: This week's question of the week is, do you leave your water heater on?
1: We got a lot of responses.
0: Yeah, I was surprised at how popular the answers were. For the most part, there were two choices, as needed. So people turn it on and off as needed, or just leave it on. And as needed was about two-thirds of the responses always was a third one person said well i leave mine on except during sleeping time because the light bothers them at night and that's that's
1: true for us too yeah
0: the control panel for the rv is right at the foot of the bed in our trailer with those super bright blue lights which i guess is cool you don't leave your water heater on overnight but guys have you guys ever slept in this trailer (laughs) i i it goes back to my frustration with the rv industry that these people do not try the product they make
1: Yeah. Well, let's be honest. I even turned the light off on the microwave because any amount of light is too much light for me. So last night we were charging a battery and every time I woke Uh, up to roll over, I'm like, oh, the battery's still plugged in. Yeah,
0: that's the battery (laughs) for next week's gadget report that I was riding around.
4: I think you might know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Uh,
1: There was a little bit of discussion about water heaters that you want to be careful and keep in mind that if you're using your water heater on electricity and you have an air conditioner running and maybe your fridge kicks on, You're likely to, as I did a few weeks ago,
4: (laughs) have to go back
1: and reset the circuit because that's a big draw, all those things at one time. So, if you're going to keep the water heater on all the time, you might need to use propane.
4: And propane accessories. accessories.
1: (laughs) So, this week, since we're on our, our, our second version of Route 66, I got to thinking, I wonder what is your longest road trip. Ours was, of course, our summer Route 66 trip. But what is yours? What is your longest road trip that you've ever been on? And you
0: could qualify that as most number of miles logged or how long you've been out. Now, of course, you full-timers out there, you can answer too because (laughs) you might have, you know, as part of your journey, made a side trip that was 1,000 miles or whatever. So that is something you can weigh in on on our fun and friendly Facebook group, which now, as we said last week, actually links to our website, (laughs) imagine that. So
1: if you go on the website, stresslesscamping.com, you can find a link to our Facebook page, Stressless Camping page. You can also find a link to our group, which is Stressless Camping Podcast Group on Facebook. Yeah, And that's where we post these questions every week and we get our answers and We really enjoy the interaction of that. Yeah,
0: people have been very polite and friendly. And uh, you can get there, as Peggy said, by our website, which is where you would also sign up for our fun and friendly once a week newsletter. We do only send it once a week. It's absolutely free. We try to include stuff from around the Internet that you might have interest in. And, of course, we would never share your information with anybody else no
1: way so when you're on the website before you jump off to facebook go ahead on the bottom of every page and find the sign up for the newsletter and as tony said we'll just put that on a list to send you a once a week newsletter and that's all we're going to do with it and also before you leave Don't forget to check out our discounts and deals page. Yes,
0: for the best things you'll need on your stressless camping adventure.
1: Oh, and if you have a great deal that our audience would like to know about, please contact us and let us know, and we will work on getting that on our page.
0: Absolutely. Of course, if you don't want to miss a future episode of the Stressless Camping Podcast, it's It's free! And you can subscribe on any podcast app. We always save you a seat around our virtual campfire.
1: And just a reminder, a review would really help us and really help other people find us. And the more listeners we have... The more we can continue to get super terrific guests like Jason and Abby, yeah, Javi.
0: absolutely,
1: <laughs> and all of our other guests. I don't want to, oh yeah, slight any of our previous guests because we've been able to get some fantastic guests.
0: Yeah, we've been very pleased, and hopefully you have too. Well, based on the number of subscribers that keep joining our little family, I guess we are serving you well, and that's our ultimate goal. So, well, with that said, thank you so much for being with us here this week.